0: 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, and we're continuing the series on the Holy Spirit. Um, Two of you have asked me, is this series still long, Uh, but they did smile when they asked that. So, I think there are probably another 12 sermons, another 3 months to go in the series, and then once we're done with this, I'll start a new series called, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, this evening, from glory. To glory, 2 Corinthians 3.18. So this is about sanctification or being made holy, being made, made more like Christ, growing spiritually, and how the Holy Spirit does it. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you, dependent upon you, and ask for the teaching and instruction of the Holy Spirit himself, of Jesus himself as our, as our teacher, as our rabbi that You would instruct us by the Spirit through the Word using human instruments, but do open our spiritual ears and eyes that we may hear and see the teaching of Christ and see Jesus Himself as the Word is open to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the Christian life is like when you go to Kruger National Park in the summer It's December, or you're in some game park, and first there's a morning star. And when you see the bright morning star in the east, you know day will break soon. And then eventually you see the darkness of night being painted with colors of a very pale yellow on the horizon. But it's still very blue very dark blue and then the dark blue changes very faintly and dimly to a lighter blue and day breaks and then you see orange and then you see the red and then the sun just peeks over the horizon and it starts coming up and the sun comes into the sky and it shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until full day. That is what the Christian life is like. It starts with you being in darkness and sin, and the light of God's Spirit coming through the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ. And your eyes are open. It grows brighter and brighter. And now you start growing spiritually. Day has now come. You're, not, you're no longer in night, it's day, you're no longer in darkness. But then you grow, says Proverbs 4, verse 18. The path of the righteous is like the morning light, which grows brighter and brighter until full day. And so eventually it's midday, but the difference between a normal day and a Christian life is this sun grows brighter and brighter and brighter until we see Jesus, and it's full day, and it's perfect. And what happens to that sun? Does it go down again? Oh no. Oh no. No, this, this sun, this holiness, this growth in the Christian life, the sun is now seven times brighter than ever before. And so the glory of God is the light, and we just reflect that. And this is what we see is a ministry of the Holy Spirit, something the Holy Spirit does in us. In 2 Corinthians 3, we call this in English, sanctification. Mark, Africa, it means you become more and more like Christ. More and more holy. More and more righteous. More and more obedient. You grow spiritually. So let's read our text. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. This comes by the Lord, or from the Lord who is the Spirit. So a couple of questions we need to answer this evening. First question where does sanctification, where does sanctification stop? Now I had a man come to my lounge actually two men, and they wanted to hire or rent our church. They said we can do a different service time we just need a building so I want to know are these people uh, evangelical do they believe the biblical gospel? So I asked them, do you believe we are saved by faith alone? In English, justification by faith alone. Yes, yes, we believe it. Okay? And then they said, and then you are sanctified. Then you become, then you grow spiritually after. Okay? And here's the trick, here's the catch. And then you become born again. Once you're holy enough, you'll be born again. That's upside down. It's not the right way around. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or you get the anti-lordship people. That's more of a grip in the United States. But we get some of them in South Africa. They'll they'll talk of of carnal Christians, at Christians. So you're a Christian. You believe in Jesus Christ, and you are His child. You're a child of God. But man, your life doesn't look one bit different than it did before. You you look like an unbeliever. The way you live, the evil you do. You live like an unbeliever but you're a real christian you see jesus is your savior but he's not yet your lord that's not biblical if you're a christian sanctification a holy life follows justification believing in jesus and being justified being declared not guilty being declared forgiven sanctification follows the new birth being born again and justification life thread follows a needle so if you put a piece of thread in the needle and you're going to fix your clothes? If you put the needle through, will the thread follow? Yes. And so if you're really a Christian, if you've really believed in Jesus Christ, good works will follow. A holy life will follow. Obedience will follow. That's the given. You cannot say you're a Christian, but your life hasn't changed. Without holiness, no one will see God. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Why did God choose you? Why did God Predestined you to become like his son. Why did God call you? Why did God justify you? So that you can be holy. Ephesians 1, verse 4. It says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, so that we would be holy and blameless before him. In Romans 8, it said, Those whom he foreknew as his children. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. He wants you to become like Jesus. To live a holy and a godly life. 1 John 2 verse 6 tells us that everyone who says that he abides in Christ, that he is in Christ, must walk as Christ walked. You say you're a Christian? Show. Show that you follow Jesus. And you live like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now before you can be like Jesus... What needs to happen? You need to see Jesus. Right, you need to see with the eyes of faith. You can't follow Jesus if you don't know what Jesus, what his life looks like. And who Jesus is. So we need to see that. But the Jews didn't see that. Most of the Jews in the time of the Apostle Paul were blind. It says in in verse 14, Their minds were hardened. For to this day when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Only through Christ it's taken away. 15. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. So the Jews, when the the Old Testament is read, they go to their church, which is called the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue. So they go to their church, these Jews, and then they hear the reading of the Bible. They hear the reading of God's Word. They don't see Jesus. They're blind. But He's right there in the Old Testament. John 5, verse 39, Jesus said to the Jews, You search the Scriptures. You study your Bible because you think you have eternal life in it. Yet, those Scriptures speak about me. Moses wrote of me, but you don't see it. So the Jews are blind. What about us? What about if you're not a Jew? Are you blind? You're born into sin. Are you born spiritually blind? Oh yes, oh yes, obviously. We're born blind. We are blind to the glory of God in Scripture. We cannot see it. You can can preach a sermon, you can read the Bible, you do not see Jesus. You can read His name, you can see what He did, but you don't see the greatness and the strength and the magnificence and the majesty and the glory and the might of Jesus Christ. Because we blind, our foolish hearts are darkened, says Romans 1 verse 21. We're We're so foolish, we think we're wise. Romans 1 tells us, Ephesians 4 verse 18 also, because of the hardness of our hearts, But we don't see the truth. We're just as blind as these Jews. Verse 18 tells us, we with unveiled face. So it's like, you know know when people get married and then the bride, she's got a veil in front of her face. She can see through it, luckily. (laughs) But she's got a veil and then it gets removed. Now this says... We had something in front of our eyes. We couldn't see the beauty of Jesus, but it's taken away. If it's taken away, that implies it wasn't taken away at one stage. We were blind and we didn't see the greatness of Jesus. So what happens then is unbelievers, they see Jesus in the same class as Buddha, as Muhammad, as Nelson Mandela, as Gandhi, as F.W. de Klerk, as whoever. We don't see a difference between Jesus and these. We see him the same. It's like he's just another Moses. Ian Murray says when Jesus became a man in the days of his flesh many saw him in the world knew and today Many people can read their Bibles and they read about Jesus. They see nothing marvelous nothing beautiful about Jesus They don't see the magnificence of Christ So what needs to happen is the Holy Spirit must remove that blindness. He must remove the veil He must set you free so you can believe in Christ You can see the majesty and the beauty and the glory of Christ. Look at verse 16 When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And then verse 18, now the veil is removed. End of verse 18, it's the Spirit who does it. So, what the Holy Spirit does, is the Holy Spirit, He puts the life of Jesus Christ into a Christian. He puts the life of Christ into us. So, now, you you like a tree, but not a tree in this room. There's too much light. Let's see. It's a very say it's a very dark factory, and you, you plant a tree in that factory. Is it gonna survive? Is it gonna bear fruit? No. It doesn't get enough light. And so now what happened, what needs to happen to us, and what does happen when you're a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit puts the life of Christ into you. He shines the light of Christ on you, and now you're like a tree bearing fruit. So now it's like like Yoshua preached last Sunday morning: that you are now in the vine. It's a branch in the vine, grafted into the vine. And so the life of the vine flows through that branch and it can bear fruit. What is that life of Christ flowing into the branches? It's not a something, it's a someone and He's called the Holy Spirit. And then we bear fruit. Then we bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We bear fruit through Jesus Christ to the praise and glory of God. Philippians 1 verse 11. We bear the fruit of light in all that is good and true and beautiful. All that is righteous. Ephesians 5 verse 8 and 9. You can go and read that. So now you're planted by the water and you're drinking of the Spirit. If we can put it like that. You're drinking of the Word and you can bear good fruit. Have a good character to the glory of God. So if you do not have the Holy Spirit... You cannot bear good fruit You cannot please God and honor God. Maybe you can you can be very religious Maybe you've seen people even in our area You see they wearing very religious dress and they've got all their white dresses and their different bands and colors To show what how spiritual they are. You've got that in the Roman Catholic Church Where you've got all these different things bishops and archbishops and popes and cardinals and the bigger you're at the more important the position you have And it's all external all external you look very religious and it looks like the fruit is beautiful but that fruit is bought at mr. Price's. over it's plastic it's not real and so that so the life can be you can be very religious and it looks looks like you've got a good life outside because you go to church and do all these religious stuff but inside the fruit is rotten a woman came she attended our church for a few Sundays and got offended because I'd said something in the sermon she didn't agree with, but her, her family member is in a cult, uh, you know, false teaching Jehovah's Witnesses. And she said that this family member of hers, who's in the Jehovah's Witnesses, is very religious, very, I mean, to the extreme, very involved in their kingdom all, but she says the life is rotten. All talk, big talk, and no fruit. No fruit. Mm. So it's possible to be outwardly outwardly religious, but the fruit in the heart is rotten. There's no light. There's no holiness from the heart. So if you want, if you want real holy, holiness, genuine holiness, then the Holy Spirit must open the eyes. The Holy Spirit must. Must remove the veil from the heart and from the eyes, as verse 16 says. When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That needs to happen. Uh, Chapter 4 needs to happen in verse 4, where it says Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. They cannot see the light of the gospel in the glory of the glory of God in Jesus. Jesus, who is the image of God. But we preach Christ. Not ourselves, we preach Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants. And then verse six tells us, God who speaks into dark, shines di- uh, light into darkness has shone the light of the gospel of this glory of God into our hearts in the face of Jesus. Now we see, we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We need spirit empowered preaching, where the gospel is preached with that power, and the Spirit comes and He opens Lydia's heart, as I said this morning. May God give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of God. Enlightening the eyes of your heart. That would need, what needs to take place for us to be alive spiritually. And if you see that, what happens is you are in awe, you are stunned by the beauty of Jesus and by the brilliance and the brightness and the holiness and the glory. Of Jesus Christ of the eternal Son of God and now you don't want just that now you want more you don't just want to peek through the window the curtain is open you don't want to do this or peek through uh, the keyhole now you want the door open you want more of Jesus you want to see more of Christ you want to see it again and again you desire heaven where you will see the glory of Jesus the glory of the risen Christ John 17, 24. You want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. You want verse 18. You want to move from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. The Holy Spirit is grieved when we sin. And if the Holy Spirit is grieved and if we sin, then you cannot see that glory as you should. Doesn't Paul say all of sin falls short of the glory of God? So we do not see the glory as we ought. But now, if you're a Christian, you say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't want this. I don't want distance between me and God. I want fellowship. I want friendship. I want the relationship to be restored. And so you go back to Him and you plead by the blood of Jesus that was shed for you on the cross. Please forgive me again. Cleanse my heart. Wash me clean. And you want fellowship strengthened and renewed in that way. It's, it's almost like it's a beautiful spring day and then you're having a picnic somewhere and you're enjoying the sunshine because it's the beginning of spring and all the blossoms are on the trees and then a cloud blocks your sun and you want to tan. You know, and so our relationship is blocked by sin. It's like a cloud blocking the sun blocks the glory of God, you do not see it as you ought. And that's why we need forgiveness. And that that really is the difference, I said this this morning, that's the difference between religious holiness, which is a false version of holiness, and evangelical holiness. You see, religious holiness, that just focuses on rules, focusing on all the rules and my own discipline and so on. And there's nothing wrong with discipline and there's nothing wrong with obedience. But evangelical holiness fixes its focus on Christ. It wants to center and zoom in on Christ. Like if you hunt and you look through the telescope and you look at the cross, you look at the, the cross, you want it right in the center. And so we want our, our focus centered in on Christ. To say, I want my focus on Him. And then the obedience comes. And then, then we we empowered by the Spirit of God to obey whatever He tells us. And I want to discipline myself. I want to be with Him. Religious, religious sanctification or religious holiness, at wants to start with the fruit and think, if I do the fruit, I'll get to the root. I remember hearing a lady say that. A, a lady, she said that I, or, or her friend told me, this is what she said, I want to write out all the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'm going to write that down. That's what a good life should look like. And then I'm going to try and do that every day. And if I do that, she thinks if she does that, then she'll get saved. She wants to start with the fruit to try and get to the root. Evangelical holiness does the other way around. It starts with the root. It wants Christ. It wants salvation. It wants a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith and repentance. It wants the Holy Spirit and the the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And then if you got that and you abide in the vine as you preach, then you bear fruit. So it starts with a root. And the fruit comes. And we want to bear fruit to the glory of God, right? Second question. So that was the first Where does it start? Sanctification. Second, how does it happen? So, the Holy Spirit, according to verse 18, who of you have a Bible that says, uh, We behold the glory of the Lord like in a mirror? English or Afrikaans Bible or other language? NASB. Pardon? NASB. 2020 uh, translation, I didn't check that. Or the Ofertalen? A spiel, on Senatus uh, in a spiel, ne? Okay, so, so that's what it means really, the Greek word. It means that it's like, like you see and you, you behold the glory of Christ like in a mirror. Now remember in the old days, a mirror wasn't like our mirrors today. Uh, boys, kids club, who of you were in my uh, lesson on Friday, in my study? You remember I asked, who did I ask? Did I ask you to go and check in the mirror, look in the mirror? Right. And you saw your own image. Now that was easy to see because it's a new mirror. But in the old days, they didn't use a mirror like that. They would take a plate and it, and it would be like a, a, big, a big plate or maybe a square and it would be made of copper or bronze. And they would polish it and polish it and polish it and polish it. Like, have you ever seen your image in a car? You see it in the car door. Yeah, it's maybe something like that. So you couldn't see it as well. So what's Paul's point? The, the, The point Paul is trying to make is he's saying there was a perfect image once. God made man in his own image. That's what we spoke at Kids Club. You remember that? So God made man in his own image. And then it's like God can look at man and see his reflection. Not in terms of what he looks like, but in terms of holiness And righteousness and all of that. And then someone took a big rock. And that someone is called sin. And Adam and Eve who sinned. And all of us who are sinners and the devil who tempted them. And you take a big rock and you smash the mirror. Or you're standing at the water and the water is calm. You can see your reflection. And then someone takes a big rock and throws it into the water. And now the water is not lacquer. (laughs) It's for trouble. So you look and you see yourself. Yes, but not, that's not what you look like. It's not, it's not a proper image of yourself. And that's what sin did. Now God cannot see His image in man as uh, the way it should be. But then Jesus comes. <coughs> Jesus comes to the earth. Jesus is God, but then He becomes a man. Now He's God and man. So as, and, he, and He actually came to fix that problem. Can I say to fix the mirror? And Jesus comes as the image Giver and the image bearer. So as God, He gives the image. It's like if I look at that uh, glass there, I can see myself. He is the image giver. And that is my reflection there. So Jesus came as God. He's the image giver. Hebrews 1 verse 3. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. And He's the brightness of the glory of God. The exact imprint, but also as man, now He gives the image. Chapter 4 verse 4 speaks of the image of Jesus Christ. As many wants to show you this is what a man should look like. This is what a human should be like in order to reflect God and be a holy person. Now can we can we follow in Jesus footsteps and say I'm also going to do that now without being saved? You see that's what many people think they can do. Jesus showed us what a human should look like, what a human should live like, how we should be holy. I'm going to try my best to follow him. You're going to fail. Romans 8 tells us in verse 7 and 8 that we cannot keep God's law. The mind that is set on the flesh does not obey God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Because we're so dead in our sins, we're so hopeless, so now something needs to happen. And the thing that needs to happen, Jesus needs to die. Jesus dies on the cross to forgive us our sins, but also to change us, to sanctify us. Hebrews 10 verse 10 and verse 14. It tells us we are sanctified once for all by the sacrifice of Jesus. So uh, uh, sanctified there means that Jesus puts you one side. He takes you out of the world. Not out of the world, uh, meaning this planet. But he removes you from that environment. That's no longer your life and where you feel and your family. And then he sets you aside for himself. To say you are now mine. Okay, so we sanctified. So that's where it starts. Sanctification. How do you receive that? How is it made yours? By faith. Acts 26 verse 18. Those who are sanctified by faith in me. So he sets us aside by faith. And then by believing in Jesus, this shows something else. This shows that the Holy Spirit has changed you from the inside. He's changed you. So now you can do what is right and you want to do what is right. He's placed the Holy Spirit inside of you to make you Walk in his commandments, Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says, He's removed the heart of flesh, given you a heart of stone, given you a heart of flesh, and he's put his spirit inside you to make you walk in his rules and statutes. So now you have the power, he's written his law in your heart. You want to do what is right, you have that desire. So, question then, where does sanctification start with a new birth? Obviously, Jesus paid for it on the cross but it starts when you are born again and that's that doesn't mean to be baptized born again is a spiritual thing that happens inside so he sanctifies you it says in 2 thessalonians 2 verse 13 1 peter 1 verse 2 we are sanctified by the spirit okay you are made holy you are set apart set aside by the holy spirit now you've been set aside you've been born again you've been washed by the spirit He he applies the blood of Jesus to you, washes you in in the blood of Christ. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 11. Now question, does it stop there? So now you set aside, you're you're a new creature. It doesn't stop there. That's grade one. Or you've now started the race, but the race is not finished now. Now the Holy Spirit does verse 18. The more you see Jesus, the more you behold Jesus in that mirror, And you see, yes, I see the image of Christ in me. And the more you see Christ in the Scriptures, the veil removed, the more you say, I want to become like Him. And the more the Spirit changes you. Isn't that verse 18? From glory to glory. And it's present continuous, right? Being transformed into the same image. So you keep on being changed more and more. More and more into the image of your Creator. In true knowledge, Colossians 3 verse 10. And now the Holy Spirit, it's like you walking next to Him. So he, he gives you the power. He empowers you. He makes you willing even. Philippians 2 verse 12 and 13. Verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, verse 13, both to will and to work according to His good pleasure. So He gives you the power to obey, and you do it. He gives you the power to fight sin, and you do it. If by the Spirit you, if you live according to the, the deeds of the body, you will die. But if, uh, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Romans 8.30. So more and more you kill sin, you kill sin, you kill sin. You trust the Spirit. You ask for new grace. You study the Word. You apply the Word. <coughs> now some people think, that's important for me to say. Maybe even some of you come from a background where they taught you that Sanctification works like justification. Justification is when you're in God's court, you're a criminal, he's the judge, you're a sinner, he's going to punish you, and then Jesus steps in, and you trust in Jesus, and he's your defense attorney, your lawyer, and he says, she's trusted in me, he's trusted in me, they hide in me, I paid the fine. Father, you sent me because you love these sinners. And the Father says, I declare you not guilty, not guilty. Your sins are forgiven. I declare you righteous because of Christ. Now, there's some of you who grew up, you had a Christian background that taught you. That's how sanctification works. So they told you you can live the higher life. They told you you can reach a point in the Christian life where you have a second blessing. And what happens then is you you can live on a plane where you're not even aware of any sin in your life, and perhaps you can even reach a plane, said John Wesley. He believed that Christian perfectionism. John Wesley said many good things, but this was wrong. John Wesley believed you can be perfect in this life. My children had a church history book, ABC of Church History, little cartoons for, for kids when they were younger. And there was, W was John Wesley, and then he had a badge on. What did the badge say? I'm perfect, or almost perfect. Almost perfect, John Wesley. <laughs> yes, so they say now, you, you live the victorious Christian life, you let go and let God, you live the higher life. It's like almost, you, it's passive. Sanctification is something that happens to you. It's not true. Sanctification is something that the Holy Spirit does progressively. Verse 18 says, from glory to glory. One degree of glory. You keep on fighting the Christian life. The Christian life is not a picnic. The Christian life is not a camp where, or a holiday, and you at your holiday destination, and you're somewhere on an island lying in a hammock, sleeping all day and sipping stuff, and people, waiters bringing cold drink and Tropica and I don't know what else, strawberries and what the prawns and I don't know, what else you like. Uh, that's not the Christian life, it's called a battle. It's called a war, it's called a race, it's called effort, it's called discipline. So that's part of it. The Spirit will empower you. The Spirit will give you everything you need to do this and He will walk by your side, but you must obey. You must yield to the Spirit and obey the Holy Spirit. Yield is active, not passive. So you will never become sinless in this life. Although some people think they do. I met a man who thought he was sinless. I wish I could step on his toe as Spurgeon did with someone. <coughs> You're not sinless in this life. You keep on confessing your sin. You keep on striving to be like Jesus by the power of the Spirit." Paul said that. Philippians 3: he said, "Not that I have already attained perfection. I'm not there yet, but I'm striving." I forget the things that are behind. I strive to what is ahead for the upward call of God for this prize in Christ Jesus. I'll keep on going. I'll keep on going. If you say you're sinless, you're a liar. You're deceiving yourself and you, you're calling God a liar because He says you are a sinner. 1 John 1 verse 8 and verse 10. The proper thing to do is not deny your sin but to confess your sin. 1 John 1 verse 9. So you keep on growing. You keep on growing till you die. And when you die then your body is not perfect because it goes to the grave. It's very imperfect, but your soul is perfect. Your spirit is perfect. Hebrews 12 verse 23. The spirits of righteous men made perfect are there. And then when Jesus comes, then He raises that imperfect body from the grave. That perfect soul will be united with that body now, but the body will be glorified in an instance and be, be, be made a perfect body. And then you perfect completely. When we see Christ... We will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. 1 John 3 verse 2. You receive the same glorified body that Jesus has. Philippians 3 verse 21. Also a powerful, ever-living body that remains young forever. May the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who is called is faithful. He will surely do it. 1 Thessalonians five twenty three and 24. So if you have this this goal, this vision (coughs) to see, to say, I want to be like Jesus, I want to be perfectly holy, I hate my sin, it keeps on bogging me, and bogging me down, and dragging me, and bugging me, and I hate this sin, I want to get rid of these evil thoughts, and this anxiety, and fear, and lust, and pride, and jealousy, and anger, Lord And if you have this hope on Christ, he who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. You read it, 1 John 3, verse 3. So that's what you're going for. You pray like Robert Murray McShane. Lord, make me as holy as a pardoned sinner can be. I want to be as holy as as a Christian can be, Lord. You want to be a Christian in the true sense of the word. What does the word Christian mean? Follower of Christ. You want to say, I really want to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. I want to seek Jesus as much as possible. I want to seek Him. I want to seek Him. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus in your life. You want to see Jesus in my life. And if I see Jesus in you, that spurs me on. And I spur you on. Just say, let's go. Let's go. Let's keep on growing in the Lord. I want to be in the Word. I want to see Christ there. I want to be in prayer. I want to see Christ there. And the more I see Jesus, I want to partake of the Lord's Supper next Sunday. In the, in the afternoon service. And I want to see Christ in the, the bread and the wine, the broken body and blood of our Lord. And the more I see that, the more I want to become. You know, it reminds me, I did gymnastics for 10 years. You did gymnastics, JC. And the coach that coached you, coached me. And that coach told me. He said when he was in, was in early high school or maybe end of primary school, he would watch videos of gymnastics, Olympic gymnastics, and then he would, he said he wouldn't even want to do his homework. When he comes home, he just—he he would actually, in, in class, he would do the work quickly and he would sit there doing all his homework so he doesn't have homework, homework at home. So it's really schoolwork. And then he would get home and he would watch these gymnastics videos again and again and again. And then he would put it on slow motion, that remote. And he would send pause and then rewind and watch it again. Okay, okay, they... Do They flip back. How do they twist? Hold their arms. And then he does it. Then he goes outside and he tries it. And he tries it. And he tries it. And eventually when he was, the year after matric, he went to Junior Olympic Games. And he came second. And he said there were only two gymnasts. <laughs> That's what you do with Jesus. You look at him again. And again and again. In the word in the Lord's Supper, in prayer you talk to Him, in other Christians, in their lives. You know, there's some Christian men, and yes, some Christian ladies, even in this church, I won't name their names, but there's some Christian men and some Christian ladies, when I look at their lives, I want to be like them. Because I see the way they follow Christ. And I, when I'm with them, I'm inspired to be holy. So I want to be like them, because they're following Jesus you look at Christ. Make it your goal. Make it your goal to be holy. Not so people can say, oh, when you did, you know, saint so-and-so. It's not because you want to be known for your holiness. You want to be holy to the glory of God. You want to reflect Jesus like a mirror reflects you. In the kids club, when you looked at yourself in the mirror, you saw yourself. I want to be like that. I want to reflect Jesus like that. That the Father may be pleased. Isn't that why God made you? God made you so you can glorify Him. You were created to declare my praise. Isaiah 43 verse 21. Isaiah 43 verse 7. To glorify God. I'm telling you, man and woman, boy and girl, you will never be happy. You will never be happy. If you do not glorify God. If you do not live a holy life. Nothing else will satisfy. Even if you have the whole world, you will not be happy. Because that's not why you were made. You were made for one purpose and one purpose only. To glorify God. That doesn't mean singing in church every Sunday. That means glorifying God when you obey your mother. That means glorifying God when you do your schoolwork and you do it well. That means glorifying God when you do honest business. And in your marriage and in your parenting and in the way you drive. We want to glorify God in all things. I want verse 18 from glory to glory, being transformed into his image. I want to shine like the sun in the kingdom of my father. Matthew 13:43. Why do I want to shine like the sun in the kingdom of my father? Oh, I just want to reflect the glory all back to him. All back reflect that glory and show it and you see that's that's what happened to Moses Moses you remember when Moses went onto the mountain and he saw God what happened when he came down yes his face shone he didn't know that his face was shining then he had to put a veil in front of it why did he put the veil there well this chapter tells us why verse 7 and verse 15 is it 7 and 15 or 7 and 14 7 says uh, the Israelite couldn't, they couldn't gaze at Moses' face because of this glory, but it was brought to an end. And 14... No, it must be... 13. Not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the Israelite might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Why did it put the, Moses put that veil? So they didn't see that the, the glow, the glory is busy dimming. That's the difference between you and Moses. You see, Moses... The glory dimmed. It's like, you know the, the glow-in-the-dark things that your kids like? If you have a glow-in-the-dark, who have you ever had a glow-in-the-dark toy or something? Okay, what happens? If you put it by the light and you switch the light, you, you keep it by the bed light, and then you switch off the light and the room is dark, what happens? Yes, it lights or it glows. And then you hold it there. What happens? You, you keep on looking at it, and in 20 minutes' time, what does that glow look like? Is it still bright? No, it goes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. That's what happened with Moses. What happens with you and I, according to verse 18, the more we see Jesus, the brighter the glow. And it becomes brighter and brighter and brighter. From glory, he says, from glory to glory, the more you get to know Jesus, and here's a secret, even in heaven, you will get to know Jesus more and more. Because Jesus is eternal. Christ is eternal. Christ is infinite. He has no beginning and no end. You do have a beginning and an end. So you're going to keep on learning more and more things about Jesus. And then the more you know about Jesus, although you're perfect in heaven, brighter, 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 brighter. (laughs) Keeps on reflecting back even so that angels will be in awe. When they see that. Ephesians 3, verse 10, it says that the church makes known this wisdom of God even to principalities and powers, or to thrones and rulers, all these heavenly authorities. Now, the angels, (coughs) don't be tricked. The angels will not then fall at your feet and say, Oh, I worship you. They know that's just the mirror. They will turn back to where that brightness comes from. And they'll worship Him. It's like you're just the oxygen bottle. Jesus is the atmosphere. (laughs) You're just the moon. Jesus is the sun. You just reflect the light of Christ. They know you live. But Christ is life. He is eternal life. 1 John chapter Five, verse twenty. One John, chapter one, verse two. He is eternal life. In Him we live and move and have our being. You and I, we're just the golden coin, a coin made of gold, pure gold. Jesus is the gold mine. Jesus is the treasure, uh, the treasure chest. In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Colossians, chapter two, verse three. The angels know your love. Your love to God, that's just the wall plug. Jesus is the power station. Jesus is the love. God is love. We love because He first loved us. (coughs) Your, Your life is just a faint echo of the mighty and glorious heavenly symphony. Jesus is the music. Last question, number three. How do you know it will work? So this whole business of growing and becoming more and more like Christ, being holy, being, becoming more and more sanctified, how do you know it will work? I mean, the answer is in the verse. You don't need to look at me. L- look at the verse. Right at the end, for, for, what's the reason? Why will this work? For, this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If you want to uh, move a piano... Let's say a big piano like uh, Tani and Dreen, the one you took is quite heavy, I guess. Now, if you want to move the piano from the church to the house, are you going to ask Adrian van der Heide to help you? <laughs> Adrian van der Heide is this size. I think he's probably just turned four. He's not going to help you. We want shoulder de Pria times eight, and that'll work. So the same, if you want to be sanctified, how do you know it's going to work? Because you've got the end of verse 18, you've got the Lord. And this Lord, it says, He's the Holy Spirit. He's the Almighty One. He's the Spirit who created the world. the spirit who in Genesis 1, hovered over the face of the waters, the Spirit who brought life. So he who began the good work, and you will complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. He will keep you by the power of God through faith. 1 Peter one verse five. Philippians 1 verse six. What a comfort, guys. What a comfort, brother and sister. Imagine you're a Corinthian. I mean, they live in a city that is sexually immoral. A thousand temple prostitutes working at the temple of Venus. A thousand every day. This is a wicked city. This is a city of all kinds of immorality. This is a city of emperor worship in the Roman Empire. You have to call Caesar Lord and worship him and burn incense to him. So what a comfort to tell them the all-powerful spirit will help you to be holy in such a wicked society. And you and I, we live in a society where LGBTQ gets stuffed down your throat. It gets shoved down your throat. And if you do not conform, then they'll make you conform. By penalties and fines or whatever they can do we see this in western culture happens all the time in sports with sports celebrities and and all kinds of people you don't bow the knee before our rainbow flag we will see that you face the consequences (coughs) what a comfort for us to know in an evil world like this we can be holy in a world like this where everyone worships Mammon, and they'll make you work harder so they can make more money at the company Verse 18 tells us this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help you as a Christian to live a holy life. He will make you more like Christ. Listen, I told the elders this on on Thursday evening. I'm going to say this in the sermon and here it comes. Noah walked with God. He was a righteous man in his generation. The whole world was wiped out with a flood except for Noah and his family. Enoch walked with God, lived in the Old Testament even before Noah. Daniel was blameless in his generation. They tried to find something against him so they could get him out of politics and get him out of his position. They couldn't find something, so they nailed him on a religious issue. They nailed him on his relationship with God because they couldn't find something, threw him to the lions. Fortunately, the lions, well, not fortunately, by God's grace and sending, the sending of an angel. Obadiah lived a righteous life, Working in the king's court, in King Ahab's court, Ahab was a wicked man. But Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. You and I have no excuse to say I cannot live a holy life. The company, the place I work, the place I go to school, the neighborhood I live, the society. They're all bombarding all this evil. You have no excuse. Noah didn't have a Bible, not one page. Enoch didn't have a Bible. Daniel had some of the Old Testament. So did Obadiah. You've got a complete Bible. You've got all the promises of the Old and New Testament. You live this side of the cross and the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension of Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all believers. You can be holy. I can be holy by the power of God's Spirit. It is possible. It is possible. And the Holy Spirit will see to it that it happens. He will see to it that it happens. Romans 8 verse verse 30. Those whom He called, He justified. Those whom He justified, He glorified. He's going to take you all the way. From glory to glory. All He asks of you is He wants you to abide in His Word. Abide in Christ by faith. And let His Word abide in you. You stay in Him by prayer and He stays in you by His Word and His Spirit. And you keep on walking in that relationship in obedience and humility before Christ. You walk by the Spirit. He prompts you. He reminds you of the promises. He reminds you of the Word, of what you read. You fight with the sword of the Spirit and with all prayer. And we keep on fighting the battle to the end. Blood on the face, mud, dust, sweat, But we'll trust in the name of the Lord our God. And we will call on the Lord our God for extra strength and reinforcement and power to keep on going. And you do not grieve the Spirit. And if you have, then confess your sin. And say, help me, O Lord. Help me. Don't be like a donkey. Needs a stick. Don't be like a mule. You need a bit in your mouth. Otherwise you won't go. You're stubborn. God will lead you. He will counsel you with His eye upon you. And He will show you where to go. You keep on trusting Him. And you accept His discipline as a means to make you holy. Hebrews 12 verse 10. And then in closing, you seek verse 18. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Christ. From glory to glory. I want Christ formed in me. He must increase, I must decrease. Jesus must become more, I must become less. And you say with the Apostle Paul, the only thing I want, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to glorify him. Let the Spirit glorify Christ in me. And you sing with Charles Wesley finish then thy new creation. Pure and spotless, let us be. Let us see this great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Amen. Father, we give you praise and honor, the Most High, the Lord of glory, the Lord of heaven and earth. O God, make us like your Son. Make us like Jesus. This is what we were made for. Change us by the power of your Spirit into the image of the beloved and eternal and glorious Son of God, And all God's people say, Amen.